You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Drabitz, and I'm the executive pastor at Formation Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. So we're having a series of conversations about the values that are present within smaller communities. Mm -hmm. So... It's well documented at this point. Many churches have not come back from the COVID era at the same size that they once were. Absolutely. I think some cultural patterns have potentially forever changed in, in the way that people gather, in the way that people view sickness, in the way that people view a lot of different things. And so it is... It's just different. The landscape is very, very different. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are some outliers in this, um, but by and large, still, you know, even just statistically with the average church size in America, at least, is still like 60 people, something mm-hmm. like that. And so our tendency is to um, idolize and elevate these mega large churches as though that is the epitome of success. And there's, sure. as we talked last week, there's a, there's a bunch of obvious value in larger ministries. Sure. But the problem with that is that we don't then often, oftentimes then the opposite side of that is that we demonize small. Yeah, like absolutely. Small is not as significant and we just believe that's radically not true. Or even that, that, that mega is the goal. Right. You know, as soon as you figure everything out, then you'll be huge. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's whole conferences, literally, like if you do these six things, then oh, you will sure. be large. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so we're, last week we talked um, a little bit about connection. And mm-hmm. this week we're going to talk about contribution or participation or, mm-hmm. and that can look like a lot of different things. It can look like service. It can look like giving. We're, we're probably primarily going to focus our attention on, on service Mm -hmm. and participation in the, in the community of the church. And so I I think the way that I would frame this is smaller churches can provide more opportunities for a wider variety of people to contribute in meaningful ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is something that again, should be more uh, accessible to people in smaller communities than large ones. So to start, let's talk about some of the challenges uh, with contribution in larger communities. Again, this is in no way to um, to denigrate uh, large churches by any means, but there are some real challenges in the average person being able to participate in a meaningful way in larger churches. And so, for instance, the first thing that comes to mind for me is oftentimes, and this was definitely true in our experience, when you have a larger church, you usually have a larger staff, oh, which for means sure. you have way more people getting paid to do ministry than you do volunteers who were like, when we when we first came to North Carolina, I think if you include interns, we had all what all, upwards of 30 staff members. Yep. And we we definitely whittled that down because to 12 to 12 yeah. because that was a bloated staff to say the yeah. least. And uh, but that's just really common in large churches. There's just way more staff that by and large other than maybe holding out doors and handing out programs that does all the work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, another one would be I didn't get that. 
Oh. Could you try again? If you can't hear, that's just my Siri on my watch. That happened setting up communion a couple of weeks ago, that was which was fun. really fun. Uh huh. Um, but another one I'd say is like you mentioned this, but you're just less aware of opportunities that exist. Yeah. Um, and so maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I think that uh, depending on the size of your organization and your church, no one individual is going to be acutely aware of all of the goings on. So Mm -hmm. I was, even the church that you're referencing, I was the executive pastor on staff, and I couldn't have told you the needs in all the different ministry areas and all of that. And I met regularly with all the staff members Mm -hmm. and and assessed all of those kind of things. But genuinely, uh, you're likely going to get the need at the front of the mind of the person you pull aside. And so it's probably in their area. And if you pull someone aside who doesn't at the moment have any needs, you might say, well, is there any anything I can help out with? Any way I can serve? And it's like, ah, oh, man, we've got everything covered right now. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, maybe like the ministry, like right next door, is like super suffering. Yeah. But there's just not always that great like kind of cross ministry communication. Yeah. A lot of uh, staff members over ministries kind of operate in a bit of a silo. Yep. And so it's just a lot harder to understand like what's available. How can I get involved? How can I contribute? And we have heard so many times over the years that people really want to feel like they're making a difference at mm-hmm. the church that they're a part of. And that's just a lot more challenging um, at, at a larger church. Yeah. I would say another thing is oftentimes there's a lot more expertise that's required to be able to serve. Sure. Or or maybe even like it's not even just expertise, but even a gift set. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I would see, I'll talk probably more about this in a few minutes, but one of the things I've always been very passionate about is developing other people to be able to learn how to teach mm-hmm. and, and not like just seminary students, but just like normal people yeah. uh, who have no teaching background whatsoever. Sure. And we have a proven track record of really being able to take people who have never taught the Bible before and help them be very compelling communicators. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it at redemption and we're still doing it here at formation. And it's one of my favorite things. But what I would say is the gift set and the expertise that it requires to teach in a way that is helpful and edifying edifying and compelling to 50 people, it's just totally different to teach 500, 1,000, a 2,000 seat room. Totally. You know, when it comes to production, the, if you got a real flashy, polished production, you got to have people that can play at that level, that can perform at that level. I mean, just running, it was like trying to fly the enterprise running the sound system in North Carolina. It was just this huge, cumbersome uh, collection of equipment that you really, really had to know what you were doing or, I mean, you're screwed. I mean, I didn't fully learn how to turn it on and it had like a touch screen to power everything. Yeah. But I knew the moment it was on, I had, uh, that's it. That's all I had. So (laughs) I I, I was, I was out. Yeah. So that just, that, that I guess raises the bar, which excludes people from being able to serve in a lot of different areas. Absolutely. So when we think about then on the other end of this, the ways that a smaller community can make contribution more accessible, a couple of things come to mind. The first is um, we, if we don't do it, it doesn't get done. Right. And I, I would say that's kind of the other side of the staffing thing. So like at Formation, you and I are the staff mm-hmm. and I am the only like actual full-time staff. Right. And so... What that means is we are, everything that we do is volunteer based. And if we have, you know, if we don't have people that are willing to do ministry, to serve, to volunteer their time and to give of their gift set, to be able to help ministry happen, 
it just doesn't get done. Right. Because there's, you know, I mean, there's this, the handful of things that are my responsibility that I do, but everything outside of that, it's all volunteer based. Yep. And people have to be willing to pick up those balls and run with them. Yeah, absolutely. And then the second one I'd say is uh, if we don't, uh, we don't need things to be as polished. So this, this one really struck me even just this last Sunday, my son Ryder is 12. He's been playing drums now for uh, 10, 11 months. I think he's coming up on a year, I guess. And he is one of our two regular drummers Yeah, and he is gifted and he does an awesome, awesome job. Yes. But if we were at a mega church, he's not ready to play. He's not oh, perfect sure. with the click track, like, and he's 12, you know, and is easily distracted and everything that comes <laughs> with being 12. Sure. And, uh, and so I was just sitting there during worship on Sunday, thinking about how awesome it was that he's able to contribute in yeah. such a meaningful way that serves our whole church. And if we were in a larger setting, because you, you needed to be more quote unquote polished, he wouldn't be able to contribute in that way. And I just think it's awesome that at 12, he's already serving the church in such a powerful way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's really, um, we don't, you know, plug in your instrument or give you a microphone unless you have some level of skill. Sure. Everything else, man. I mean, I think about our, um, our production team, Uh um, none of us know anything. I lead it. Uh-huh. And I just shared that I couldn't figure out how to turn on the last one. Yeah. But somehow I'm the like tech savant of this yeah. one, uh, which is fun. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we genuinely like it's like YouTube and tutorials and a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so we don't have the guy who like, you know, ran the Garth Brook concert last night, show up to like do our service this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's some people who are like uh, willing to like focus and pay attention and follow instructions and and do some of those things. But that's it. Yep. And and kind of uh, back to your previous point, along with this point, we could have higher standards. Um, and then we have no sound. Right. So, or we can just recognize that, you know, every once in a while you'll even call it out. You know, we do what, you know, you call it a church fade or whatever. Yeah. So the music doesn't like gradually go down. It's like just off. off. Yeah. yeah. And on, yeah. And that, you know, and, and, uh, and we work on those things yep. and we provide feedback and all of that, but there is like a part of it where it's not a matter that we care less. It's not a matter that we're not committed to excellence because, it, uh, you know, like church and Jesus and God and everybody is worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's that we have to like do the best we can with what God has entrusted us with. Right. Which really is the essence of this. And so we don't need things to be perfect. Like we don't ever settle for crappy. No. Um, we would not do something before we did it in a bad way. Yeah. But um, admittedly, like our standard there, there just is a lot of discernment, I think, to be had in this area of like, what should the standard of excellence be? Yep. And the standard of excellence in a church of a hundred versus, you know, a thousand or five or 10,000 is just different, Yeah. you know? Absolutely. And the, again, the value in being a church of a hundred that does not have to have those same standards is like more people get to play in the sandbox, I guess mm-hmm. would be the way that I'd say it. And, and they get to experience what it's like. Every person who serves on Sunday in our church, I would, I would feel pretty confident to say they, they really do feel like this is meaningful. Like if I don't do this, yep. we, this doesn't happen, Totally, which is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So then let's, let's close by talking about some, just some advice um, yeah. of how to cultivate culture of contribution because 
again, it's, it's very common that like 10 people in the church do a hundred percent of the work. So how do we, how do we expand that and make that, that something that's bigger? Um, and the first one that I would say is it's really, really important to make opportunities known. Yeah. So uh, I have, I've found that if people walk in and someone opens the door for them, someone's up front and leads the songs, someone teaches and there's someone to watch the kids. The average person's assumption is all the bases are covered here. Yeah. And, and we all know that that's not the case. Right. (laughs) Usually it's the same people doing like our band. We had the same band play almost every week for two full years Mm -hmm. when we moved to Salt Lake. Yeah. And And they they only stopped because of COVID. (laughs) Right. And they did an awesome job, but that was, I mean, they were, I think they're still tired. Mm -hmm. Like they still talk about that. Yep. So, um, I think just constantly making opportunities known, um, and needs known and really helping people understand again, like we have to do this or like we're, we're the same people end up doing everything. Yeah. And I think the like other end to that is like make opportunities known and then be patient. Yeah. Just, just wait it out. Yeah. Somebody like if you just like have to change what you're able to offer as a result of like what people are willing to do, um, it's interesting how all of a sudden you're like, wait, I've known you for 10 years and you're like a professional drummer. Right. You just kept that on the inside. Or I mean, here's a, here's a, like just a a tiny microcosm. Uh, We had an issue with um, like the sink that we use to dump coffee out and all of those kind of things. And it needed to be fixed. It was like leaking like a sieve. So we just put a bucket underneath. And the truth is I just didn't have the time, the bandwidth to like find a plumber and someone you can trust and this and that. And it's always so expensive. And what I knew is at some point, someone in our church would find that whole situation annoying enough to where they would figure it out and we had somebody do that Mm -hmm. and it was their bucket was under there for a while it was yeah but now it's fixed yep and i just think that um we probably could have spent 500 bucks and who knows if it would have actually been fixed the right way or all of those kind of things and even still in this way you know back to the polish like um the person who fixed it is not a plumber Mm -hmm. uh they're like handy and they can watch YouTube and figure out some things and like, and it's fine. Oftentimes pastors, like they rush to solve everyone's problems for them. And it's Mm kind of like parenting. Like if you solve every problem for your kid, they never learn to do anything for themselves. Yep. And I don't mean that in any sort of condescending way toward, people in our churches, but by and large, like, and a lot of church members function as though if I bring up a concern, if I bring up an idea, I've tagged the pastor, it's their job now to get that done. And I think that that's unfair. So like the sink's a great example. Another one would be a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching on uh, the good Samaritan and Mm -hmm. mercy. And I closed that message saying, you know, one of the most common questions that I get asked by new people and always have is how does your church participate in the community? Mm -hmm. And that has always been uh, a stressful question to me because by and large, the majority of my time and effort goes into caring for the people of our church. But I've always received that question as like, well, I got to figure out how to get us more involved in the community. And so at the end of this message, I just said, I'm done with that. And in two weeks, we're going to have a meeting. Anybody who wants to come that cares about that, we'll just start having a series of conversations about how we can help that happen. And we had Mm -hmm. it yesterday. We had like 15, 20 people show up and lots of ideas, many of which will not come to fruition, which is okay. Yeah. But 
but what what I tried to emphasize over and over and over again is this is not a situation where, you know, everyone voices their idea and then it's your job or my job to make this happen. Totally. Like, we are only going to participate in this in a way that this body of people is willing to make happen. Well, and that leads into our next point. I mean, only do the ministry that people are willing to do. Yeah. I think a lot of times pastors interpret like ideas from uh, the people who attend their church as like, you know, I have an idea, I come and tell you about it. And now all of a sudden it's your responsibility to make it come to fruition. Right. And I think that um, we have always had a posture of just like, listen, we would love to offer that. And as long as you're willing to lead it, all of that kind of stuff, I'm happy to like support you, give you tools, a budget if needed and possible, but otherwise like that's on you. And I think even, uh, you know, even for our Sunday service, we've had a couple of times where um, we ask, you know, people to serve, we ask parents to serve, everyone needs to serve once a month in our kids area. And we genuinely are in a place where we have enough people who can, that if they do, it's not too much, but I get, you know, life gets busy or people don't or whatever. And so there's been a few times where we've just had to like communicate, listen, um, if we don't get someone to sign up, we just won't have kids ministry this week. Mm -hmm. And we always get someone to sign up. But I think, um, I think oftentimes and far too often the solution is, all right, well, let's just start paying someone. Let's mm -hmm. pay someone to do kids or pay someone to come in and play an instrument or play someone to this and that. And I think that, um, like, I'm not saying that there's not a time and place for that and a special situation, but I am saying that I think that if you can just like, again, going back to that, like be patient and only offer. And when people come to you with, it'd be great if we had a drummer, then like my response would be, well, I would love for you to start taking lessons and let me know when you're ready to play. <laughs> right. I mean, your son didn't take lessons for that long and he was ready to play. So yeah. it's, it's possible. Yep. Um, as long as like the body that calls the church home is willing to like, like dig in, do the work, make the sacrifice and, and like support and oftentimes lead the ministry. Yep. And then I would say on the leadership end of that as well is we work hard to both train and support people when yeah. they do step up. So to your point, like we have a bunch of people serving in production that have zero experience. Mm -hmm. We have people in the teaching lab that have zero experience actually mm -hmm. teaching and writing messages. And so as a result of that, we work really, really hard, yep. like on the teaching lab front. I work with this group of people once a month and we outline a message. We exegete a text together. We outline and frame a message together as they're writing a manuscript that gets sent to me. I edit it with them. So it's never just a situation where it's like, cool, here's your date. Good luck. Yeah. Um, we, because one, that wouldn't serve the church well. And then two, it puts people in an impossible situation. They yeah. need to be uh, supported and yep. trained and all of that. And so I think if you're going to have a really high expectation that everybody's going to participate, then you have to be willing to support and train people in the midst of that. Absolutely. And then I think lastly, you need to set the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. The expectation being that like we are a family. And in a family, everyone does their part. Like right. you will not be a part of formation for very long and not very quickly pick up on the expectation that if you're going to be here, you like you got to contribute in some way. Yeah. <laughs> not not it's not like a cover charge to to be a part of it, but 
but again, we, we do because we are volunteer driven and this is our community. It's not my community. It's not your community. It's ours. Then that means we just need everybody to do their part. And it does put way too much pressure on a few people when everyone does not do their part. Sure. So we just try to communicate about that very openly. And then it's kind of like a positive peer pressure thing. Like this is just, this is what we do. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, we've even had to learn that lesson the hard way a little bit. Like right now, uh, you know, so April's going to be a five-week month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's possible we'll have a few people serve more than once. I mm-hmm. just sent out the thing for that. But in general, we ha- because you miss the service, we only have one service and you yep. miss it. Uh, we have a really hard rule that like you only serve one time per month. In kids. And, and, yes, I'm yeah. sorry, in our kids in yeah. our kids area because you're missing the service. Right. And right. so we feel like once a month is plenty. On a five-week month, there'll be a few people who do it twice. But uh, part of like my passion, our passion around that is that we had like probably the best kids worker we've ever had. And Mm -hmm. she just served and served and served and like would fill in when other people didn't want to or were Mm -hmm. sick and all of that. And she just got totally burnt out. Young single woman who has no kids in the ministry that burned herself out taking care of, you know, essentially other people's kids. And if I can rant on the kids ministry thing for a second, I don't know where in God's name this expectation came from parents that it's like the church's responsibility to provide daycare for their, like parents who are unwilling to help feed and serve the ministry that they are directly benefiting from. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense to me. And I know that it's tiring. I have three kids. I know it's tiring to be a parent and don't have kids. Right. (laughs) If you don't want to be tired, let me just tell you as a word of advice, don't have kids because you're signing up for like 18 to 20 years of being tired. But like, like this is the benefit that you are the ministry that you are most directly benefiting from. So contribute where you're consuming. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just think that you want to be in a situation where you're not burning anyone out, right? Where you're not like having to give them a break. Like, I think it's not super likely that she's going to serve in that area again, but she had served, you know, we like tallied them up. It was easy to do like over 60 times over yeah. the course of a couple of years. And I think that uh, it's just really important that you help everyone know, like, it's not anyone else's job to your point. It's not the single people's job because I don't have to deal with them all week or that kind of thing. Like it's, it's our job as a church. And so uh, we're in a situation in our space where we have to have a kid's ministry. Mm -hmm. And if you would like, if you have children and want to come to church, you gotta be a part of it. And that's just the way that it goes. And we're not gonna, you know, uh, I mean, we're not in a situation where we have like a Christian college where we can go pay people 20, but like, we don't have any of that. We have nothing. There's no one to call. There's no shoulder to tap. So it's us and it's you and we have to do it together. Yep. That's right. So lots and lots of, of opportunities uh, for contribution in smaller churches. And so just encourage you to sit with some of those. Think about that. Are you maximizing those opportunities? So we'll be back next week with another uh, specific way in which smaller communities have very unique value. But until then, uh, we would always love to connect with you on social media. So as always, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.